right, so if you are following along with us and, and going through the New Testament, uh, you'll know that we're still in the Gospel of John. Uh, but today I decided to take a little detour uh, in light of Pentecost Sunday. And so we are going to look at Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and then skip over to verses 42 through 47. And here is what happened on that day of Pentecost. Luke writes this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability." Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. And then skipping to verse 42, they, being the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and of prayers. And all came upon everyone, because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, we do give you great praise for this day. We thank you, Lord, for there being no rain. We thank you for all of those who did so much work to help us gather together today. We thank you, Lord, for the story of the early church and for how you poured out your spirit. And we pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit upon us even now. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen and amen. Well, since this is the last sermon that I will preach before I go off on sabbatical, I have wrestled a lot this week with what exactly I should say or what I shouldn't say. And, you know, some of the staff said, only somewhat jokingly, I'm afraid, that they were afraid that I was going to preach for more than an hour and a half just to try to get everything in before I leave. I thought, that's silly. There's no way I go more than 75 minutes today. And so, I love the nervous laughter whenever I talk about that. I do want to point out I'm actually starting later today, so let's just keep that in mind before you start judging what time it is. And so as I continue to wrestle with what exactly I should say, I was reminded that many of you have said to me over the last few weeks, you know what, we hope that this will be a time of, of rest and a time of rejuvenation and a, and a time for you to spend with your family, and I'm deeply appreciative of that. And, and I've been wondering then over the last week or two, 
what are my hopes for you all during the next three months? And as a way of doing that, I thought that it would be good and right for us on this Pentecost Sunday to read from Acts two. Now, before we begin to dive into that, let me remind you what happens in Acts one, which is that the, or, or Jesus is there right before he goes up to heaven, and he tells the disciples that they needed to. In fact, he says, it says that he ordered them to go to Jerusalem and to wait for the Spirit. I, I love that, that he had to order them to go someplace and to just wait, right? So even 2,000 years ago, it was hard for people to not just go on with their lives, to not go about their daily business, or to maybe they wanted to go back to fishing. Maybe they wanted to go and just start witnessing right away. But Jesus said, no, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and to wait. And that is what they did. They waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and they waited and they prayed and they had to wait not knowing what was going to happen or even if it was going to happen. Certainly doubts began to creep in. For 10 days, they had to wait. And I think about my own kind of spiritual journey, and I've told many of you over the last several months, I've been trying to just spend 15 minutes just kind of contemplating, not reading a devotional, reading scripture. Those things are great. Not even praying for anyone, but just trying to focus on Christ for 15 minutes. And I gotta tell you, there are many days when I'm like, well, that must be about it. And I look, and it's been 27 seconds. And I think, you gotta be kidding me. How long is 15 minutes? But they waited for 10 days. And finally, after waiting for 10 days, finally, we are told, the Spirit came. And, and as Luke describes it, he says it was like a wind that was rushing in. And I, I love that imagery because, of course, as you probably know, in the Hebrew, uh, the word is ruach for spirit. In the Greek, it's pneuma. And those words can mean spirit, but it can also mean wind, but there's one more word that it can also mean, which I think is really appropriate when it comes to the Spirit, and that is the word breathe. And so in other words, what we see happening right here is that they are beginning to finally breathe in the Spirit. And I love thinking about the Spirit as breath, because breathing is really important. Uh, you know, I was, uh, as I was thinking about that, I was reminded of, of, of a couple of marathons that I've run. As, as many of you know, we've partnered with Team World Vision for about five years. We've actually raised uh, over $100,000 for clean water in Africa, which is absolutely remarkable. And, and so we do that by running the monumental marathon or the half marathon. And, and so I've trained for a couple of those marathons. And, you know, I've probably said this before. It's always interesting to me. People talk about running and getting that runner's high. You know, you hear about that, where it's a sense of you're just kind of floating and it's this amazing experience. I, I think those people are crazy by and large. I, I've never experienced that kind of runner's high, if you will. And I'll tell you, when I'm running and whenever I was training, I was always only thinking of one thing, just one thing. And that one thing was this, how good would it feel to stop running and finally begin to breathe, right? And so I think about it enough that then I finally do. I just stop and you know what? I was absolutely right and man, once I stop, you know, there are people who, when they run and they stop, they're all disappointed in themselves. They're like, oh, I couldn't do it. You should see the smile on my face when I stop. I think, quite frankly, that is the runner's high, is stopping running. And when I do that, I just begin to breathe in the oxygen. It feels so good, right? And finally, after stopping and waiting and breathing, then I can keep moving. That makes sense to most of us physically, 
But I'm not sure that we always get that when it comes to our spiritual lives. I've, I've noticed that there are times when people say, you know what, I just feel kind of spiritually dead, but I, I feel like I'm really trying to do a lot of things for Jesus, and, and, but, I, but I just don't feel very alive. And, and oftentimes the natural instinct in that time is to say, well, I, just, I must not be doing enough. And so rather than thinking about the fact that maybe you don't have enough breath, you just keep going. And so you keep going. You say, I'm going to do a little bit more. And then you wonder, why do I feel even more dead than I did before? And what we don't realize is that we need to stop at times and we need to wait and we need to breathe in the spirit just like the early church did. And so one of my hopes for you this coming up summer is that you will spend time waiting and being still and breathing. Now, I know that there are some of you that when I say that, you say to yourself, oh, we're going to do that because we're going to be going on vacation, you know, and I know many of you are going on vacation, but the problem is I've seen how you vacation, and when you get back from vacation, you guys are usually like, whoo, we've been in Orlando, 12 parks in three days. They said you couldn't do it, but we did it, guys. Or the more outdoors people, you know, you'll be like, oh, my goodness. We went through the Grand Canyon. We floated down the Colorado. But then we decided we were going to row back upstream because we still had three hours left. And we're like, we can do this. And you get from your vacation and you are worn out. You are exhausted. It is not a vacation. And so here's, what I, here's my hope because I, I knew ZPCers need specificity. I've got, I, had, I asked Sally, she did a great job to make a magnet for us. And here's what, you can get this as you leave. In June, here it is. Here is your assignment in June. You've got about a week to prepare. It is to walk. It is to take 30 minutes, four or five times a week. I've given you a couple of days of break. Four or five days a week and just walk with nothing, no music, not listening to your favorite podcast, not even listening to the scripture. Um, 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 reading scripture is great, please hear me. But I don't want you doing anything. I just want you walking. The good news is you can do it if you're here. You can do it if you're in Orlando. You can do it if you're in the Grand Canyon. You can do it anywhere. And I want to encourage you just to walk and just to open your ears and to breathe in the oxygen, but also Think about breathing in the Spirit. Just ask, Lord, what might you do if we just breathe in your Spirit? And so in the month of June, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that magnet, put it somewhere, put it on your fridge. We were gonna actually put it on everyone's cars and people said, oh, people get really weird about their cars. So we didn't put it on your cars. Uh, If you want us to, we will. It doesn't matter. Just here's what I want you to do. I just want you to take it and breathe in the month of June. Can I get an amen? Now, I know what you're asking. What about July? Good. In the month of July, here is your assignment. I want you at the end of every day, and it says it on the magnet. You don't even have to write it down. At the end of every day, I want you to spend time reflecting on the day and asking yourself these questions. For what can I give thanks? And in what way have I seen or experienced God? We talked about this several weeks ago, about the fact that No one wakes up, or at least few of us wake up one morning after having been ungrateful and say, you know what? I feel like being grateful today. 
Few of us just wake up and say, I'm gonna look for Jesus wherever I go. There is a great amount of intentionality it takes. In fact, if you look at um, 42 through 47, it talks about the fact that they spent time praising God, right? You have to carve out that space. And in fact, I never really thought about this this much, but think about what Luke is doing. Luke is the one who's writing this letter here to Theophilus. And think about what Luke is doing. Luke is sitting there, you know, years later, and he is reflecting on what happened on that Pentecost Sunday, or that Pentecost day, I should say. And he's reflecting on that day. And have you ever thought about what it's like to retell a story? And what happens when you retell a, retell a story, whether it's verbally or written? Well, I have an example. A few days ago, I was talking to my girls we were, uh, and, and Megan. We were having dinner together. And, and, and I was remembering the fact that we were talking about, you know, this five-week excursion that we're going to go on to Alaska. Uh, it's going to be amazing. It'll, it, 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 uh, it'll be great. And so it's just going to be five weeks with us. And, and I was remembering that when I was 10 years old, so about the, old of my sec- uh, the age of my second born, uh, we took, my family took a, a month and drove from Washington State all the way down to Florida and back to Washington State, seeing people and doing all that. And as I was telling that, all of a sudden, I remembered a story that I really kind of forget usually. It, it happened, I thought it was when we were in Wyoming. Um, it wasn't, it was actually when we were in Montana. We were driving through Montana and we got pulled over by a policeman, right? And, uh, I, you know, I was kind of nervous. You know, I thought, oh, geez, they realized I stole the shampoo from the hotel. And so, you know, there's all this anxiety that 10-year-olds have and, you know, when you're pulled over and I got even more nervous because then the cop came and he, he asked my dad to go back with him uh, uh, to his squad car and I thought, well, that's it. And I've seen enough shows to know we're never going to see dad again. And, and, and so, you know, and then my dad came back and we got in the car and we turned around and started going back in the direction from which we had headed. And I was like, I thought for sure I was going to the clink. And so, you know, I'm just feeling all this anxiety. But we didn't drive to the jail. We actually drove to this resort called Chico Hot Springs Resort. Anybody ever been to Chico Hot Springs Resort? Hey, there's a couple. Good job. All right. So what actually was happening, this is really kind of weird as I think about it now, 37 years later, is that, is that they were doing a promotion. So they had the police pull us over to do this promotion. I can't imagine that was legal, but uh, that's what they did. And, and, and so we went back and we actually got to stay at this resort for free one night. Now I've talked about my dad and, and what kind of a penny pincher he was. I don't think I've ever seen my father happier than staying at a hotel for free. I mean, he was elated. Not only that, there was this cool hot spring pool that as a kid we got to go in and play in. Not only that, we got to go to this uh, a free dinner that was at this fancy place which just meant it wasn't McDonald's. And it was just this incredible place. Actually, I remember, I, you know, it's weird. Ten year, we're just weird what we remember. So one of our family, I don't remember who it was, got lamb. And that just seemed like so like, whoa, we're so hoity-toity right now. We got lamb and, and we got lamb. And then we got to go to a rodeo for free. And then in the middle of the rodeo, they said, hey, we want to just recognize the VIP family today from uh, the Deck family from Edmonds, Washington. And we got to stand up and we were like waving. I mean, it was incredible, right? I mean, what a great time this was. And I got done telling my children this and one of my girls said, you know, dad, how come you've never told us this story before? And, and I thought to myself, you know, it's true, but I, I kind of forgotten about it. But what was fun is that as I began to retell it, I kept remembering things that I had forgotten. 
And as I began to retell it, I got more and more excited about what it was that, I, that, 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 that happened to us. And, and in fact, for several days later, I just kept looking at it. In fact, I actually went online and, and on our way out, I, I booked us a, a night there at Chico Hot Springs, right? Uh, now they only had available this like little communal shower. I don't know what it's gonna be like. It's gonna be super awkward, but it's gonna be phenomenal, right? But I was so excited about this. And so then I started thinking about Luke. Here's Luke, just imagine, right? Imagine him writing about this story. And he's just like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this to Theophilus. And then he just begins to think, and he's like, yeah, so we waited for, and he's like, wait a second, we waited for 10 days? I'd forgotten we waited so long. That's incredible. And we waited, and then, oh my goodness, how do I describe the Holy Spirit? Well, it was, it was like a rushing in of a violent wind. And, and then he goes on, and he starts to talk about the, you know, the, the tongues of fire that were there. And, and then he begins to laugh to himself. He's like, oh, you know what? I remember they, they thought we were drunk, even though it was only early in the morning. And, and then he's like, oh yeah, and they made fun of us because they thought that Galileans were really bad at languages and we were speaking speaking their language. And, and then he stops and he says, oh, and do you remember what that was like in those early days when we would just get together and we would sing praises and we would break bread together and we were, we were just living together every day. And you can just feel this excitement from Luke as he begins to retell this story. Well, I think one of the things that we do when we get into a place where we are feeling dry and when we are not feeling alive in the spirit, one of the greatest things that we can do is to stop and to begin to write down or to begin to retell people places where we have seen God. Maybe it's a great banquet experience that you've had or a particular worship service or sometime when you were with neighbors and you've seen Jesus or when you looked back, way back in your life and you saw how God was there. Just that actual physical act of writing it down or, or telling somebody allows the spirit to kind of begin to revive and go through you. So I want you to sit there and I want you to spend time in July doing that. Amen? All right. Now I'm going to get to August, but I got one more thing I want to say, which is this. This is just understood. It's not an assignment, but I want you to hear this, that what they did in Acts, they did it all together. At the very beginning, it says they were all together in one place. And then in 42 through 47, it says that they were all together. This is really important, that the way that the Spirit so often works is when you are in community together. And that's really important. I mentioned this a couple of months ago, which is that the truth is this, that our brains have been rewired during this COVID season. It's weird. I don't know, maybe this isn't weird for you, but when I go into a store now and I don't have a mask on, I feel like I'm naked. I feel like something is not quite right. And I'm like, oh geez, this is awkward. And I'm realizing, I'm like, oh wait, it's because I don't have my mask on, right? But it's okay if you've been vaccinated. So I've been vaccinated so I can do it, but it just feels weird. And I think in many ways, we have been so isolated, so many of us, that we have maybe forgotten what it means to be together. And what I love about verses 42 through 47 is that it doesn't just say they happened to be in community together. It says they were devoted to being in fellowship together. In other words, it was a commitment. I talked to our, our residential Greek guru, Stan, Reverend Dr. Stan, I wish I remembered your middle name, uh, Johnson. And, and, and he said that it can also mean tenaciously cling to or adhere to like glue. I love that. And here is my hope and my prayer for you. 
do not wait. And if you're watching this on the live stream, do not wait. And after this Sunday, do not wait to just feel like, oh, I feel like coming back together again. I want to encourage you to be devoted to coming together and worshiping, to be devoted to getting together from time to time with your home group or getting together with a great banquet reunion group or with some other Christian group of brothers and sisters in Christ and be devoted to that because the spirit so often comes alive when we are simply together breaking bread with one another. And so my hope and my prayer is that you do that together. And here's what happens, is that when we do that, not only do we begin to feel the Spirit even more alive, but we begin to be able to be a witness to the world around us of who Jesus is. You notice that when the Holy Spirit came, it was a witness. It was in order to be a witness to the world around us. And I don't think it was just happenstance that in that time when that community of faith was breaking bread together, praying together, being in fellowship with one another, worshiping together, learning together, that when they did that, numbers were being added every day to the church. I read something earlier this week that said that by and large, the world around us right now, in our society, we are not starving for information. We have enough in information. The internet is a trove of information. What our world is starving for is meaning and purpose. And one of the things that the church has to give to the world around us is what is their meaning and what is their purpose they are starving to know that they have been created by God, that they are loved by God. They are created, they, they want to know, even if they don't yet know it, that they are called to live for more than just themselves. And one of the great things that we can do is not just tell them that, but is to show them by the way in which we live. One of the things I'm excited about is that within a year or so, we don't know exactly when it's gonna be, it, they won't break ground this summer, so let's be patient. But when the food pantry right over there begins to be built. People will see a building and they will want to know why it's being built. And we can remind them that we care for one another, that we want to feed one another. That's a part of our meaning and our purpose. When we blow a hole in the wall to the chapel and we put windows there, which by the way, I really want to see that. And we put windows there. When people are driving by, especially at night, when they look inside, they will simply see a community that is together. Maybe we're breaking bread. Maybe we're eating. Maybe we're having communion. Maybe we're worshiping. Maybe we're just kind of meeting together to talk about scripture. Whatever it is, they will be able to see a community that is together. When we talk through city life and all this summer, you guys are gonna be getting updates. This is this new relationship, a partnership that we have with city life, with Youth for Christ in order to, to do more work in Northwest Indianapolis that when we see that and people see that and experience it, it's reminding them that our call is not to get more. Your purpose is not to get more. It is to be able to give more and to be able to live and to be able to learn and be able to serve others. We have a remarkable opportunity as a community of faith to show the world around us their meaning and their purpose. And so my hope for you though as an individual is in August when you get together in August or as you get to August and you've spent a month already waiting and being in the Lord's presence, you've spent a month writing down where you've seen and experienced Jesus, that then you will begin to turn out. The Spirit is not just meant for us. And so I want to invite you then to invite two or three people or two or three families, whatever it may be, 
in your neighborhood over for a meal. I want to invite you to have them come over in order to be able to be together and to just simply see what does the Lord do? What might the Spirit do if we just simply invite people? You don't have to invite them and say, I've already got a track or I've invited them. I didn't put this in there. I gotta say ZPC three times somehow during this meal. I I just want you to invite people over to host them as Jesus has hosted us and just see what the Spirit does. So that's the assignment for August, amen? A little quieter than June and July, but I think we can get there. So this summer, as Sally put it, we are walking, we are riding, and we are inviting. Walking and riding and inviting. Barbara Brown Taylor says that when the Spirit came through on that Pentecost day, you know, they didn't have windows, they didn't have things like that, so the windows were open which allowed the winds of the Spirit to come through. And it seems to me that these practices of walking and writing and inviting are like opening up a window. They are practices of opening up the window so that the Spirit can flow through. And you never know, as they discovered 2,000 years ago, you never know what the Spirit might do. When people have asked me what exactly it is that I hope to get out of this sabbatical. I've kind of hemmed and hawed. I've never been on a sabbatical. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. But as I've thought about this passage, I've realized that in many ways, this is exactly what I've been talking to you about, what I am hopeful for, for me and for our family. One is to simply breathe. I'm going to have five weeks with my family, but I'm also going to have a lot of time kind of on my own. And so I'm going to spend a lot of time in the midst of that, like I'm asking you to do, to just simply breathe. But I'm also going to spend time reflecting and writing down. In fact, during those five weeks when we go out, we're all going to be writing down every day. We're going to keep a journal. Each one of us, some of us who can't write quite well, uh, very well yet, will draw pictures. Others of us who can write great, we might also draw pictures. But we just want to spend that time in reflecting. And I'm, and I'm also going to be reflecting on the last seven years or so. You know, we've had some great times, some times full of joy and excitement and happiness, you know, in the gathering space or here in the parking lot or, or or a great banquet, uh, or at the all-church brunch. Who's ready to start that back up again? That should have been the loudest amen. But there have also been some tough times, right? Times when I didn't know what to do during this season. Times at funerals or when people are grieving and I didn't know what to say. Times when things seem to just keep going on and on and on. And I'm going to spend a lot of time just trying to also just reflect But what I also got stuck on as I looked at these few verses, especially 42 through 47, is this. That there was a great amount of sacrifice that occurred when when this early church began. They were sacrificing for one another. And one of the things that I wanted to acknowledge this morning is that I realize the sacrifices that many folks are making to give uh, me and my wife and our girls this space. And so I wanted to tell you all how thankful I am. That I know that the session made a sacrifice. They put their leadership on the line. Who knows what the congregation's gonna think when you say, yeah, the pastor can, can go off for a few months. And so I am so thankful to you all. I am thankful to Pastor Scott Shelton, uh, who is taking over as head of staff and 
which means that he will have less time uh, to be uh, with his own family, less time even to rest uh, 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 than he normally would. And so to Pastor Scott, um, there you are. I, wanna, I want you to know how thankful I am to you. To the staff, I know how hard it is for them. They have to keep working while I take a break. That's annoying. And I want to thank the staff for their willingness to allow me to do this. And I want to thank you all. I want to thank you all for the great encouragement that you have been to me. And I know that there are some of you for whom a sabbatical doesn't really make sense still, but you haven't been an obstacle Most of you have encouraged me and you all are even still paying me while I'm away. Did you know that? (laughs) I hope you hear this from the bottom of my heart. I am so thankful for you for your willingness to give me this space. And there is no way that I can ever return as much as I would like all that you have given to me, to my wife, and to our girls. But I want you to know that every day while I am away, though I may not see you, I will be giving God thanks that he has put you all in my life over these seven years and in these three months. And my hope is that when we return, having spent so much time in the Spirit, that we will then have the energy to say, what next, God? And that we will know that we have this remarkable call to be a witness to God's grace and love and forgiveness And that we will come together knowing, knowing that we have a mission here at ZPC. Knowing that we are ready to keep walking wherever it is that the winds of the Spirit may blow. I love you guys. Thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God, we do give you praise for your spirit. It's a spirit, Lord, that we cannot control. And yet, Lord, we can engage in these window-opening practices that allow us to feel your presence, that allow us to be revived, allow us to go out and to be a witness to a world that is desperate, that is hungry for meaning and for purpose. And so I pray, Lord, that you would pour your spirit out. And that as we do so, Lord, might we not only be a blessing, might we not only be blessed, but also be a people who are excited to go and to reflect you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.